Welcome to Insights, an Amplify original series giving you insights on cultural myths, employee engagement, and why it all matters. I think, I think the issue with feedback is this idea that feedback is punitive. And so we think we, we do it in a moment of great crisis or that it has to be painful. And actually, feedback is a process where in which you build trust with people. It is not a punitive experience. So feedback is a tool to help build trust and build a relationship. It's progressing the relationship versus sort of bringing it down. We need to talk. Let's be honest. Some of us love getting feedback, while others hear this phrase and have nightmares. The same goes for the giver. It always feels good to give someone feedback for a job well done. But when it comes to delivering critical feedback, it can riddle even the strongest leaders with anxiety. But here's the real issue. This notion of a one-time, as-needed critique has made feedback the worst kind of buzzword. Is that really all there is to it? Or is there more to this word than we're giving it credit for? You just heard from Chris Biddinger, founder of Open Pivot, a consulting service in which he provides coaching and training to develop effective and inspirational leaders. One of the biggest problems Chris sees is organizations view feedback as a one-time event, opposed to an ongoing relational experience. Feedback is not an event. I mean, I think when something is a buzzword, it makes it maybe sound like it is an event or this moment in time. It's a, it's a process. It's an ongoing uh, experience. It's a, a, a relational guide. It's a tool, but it's not a, I did it and I'm done. One potential byproduct of viewing feedback as an event is the tendency for people to share their feelings with others instead of with the person in question. When we lose the relational aspect of feedback and relegate it to a specific time and place, it opens the door for all kinds of negative feelings and responses. Well, we're really good at talking to people about the person versus talking to the person themselves. So we're really good at going around and talking to other people about the person instead of talking to the person directly. So if that happens to you, you can say, why are you telling me this? Seems like that ought to go to Steve or that ought to go to Sally or someone else. So we're really good at that. And actually that begins to erode trust. One way to combat this problem is to view feedback as an ongoing conversation between both parties. For Chris, This means being intentional and thoughtful about the conversations we have. When we view these conversations in this way, it creates an open door in which feedback can flow both ways. Furthermore, it reduces the anxiety that comes with event-based feedback, in which employees can find themselves bracing for what they're about to hear. Have I said feedback enough yet? Well, let's hear from Chris, and he'll probably say feedback again, too. Well, I think it it does start with your brain, and I think that, especially, I know for me, When I hear the word feedback, my brain goes to what we call anxious brain or fear-based brain where I'm afraid there's like a threat. Something about is about to happen to me that's going to be negative. So if we can stay in curious brain, which is all about learning and how we grow, then we can approach it better. So across the board, whether you're a manager or a peer or a direct report, whatever, start with the mindset that this is about helping the relationship get better. This is about helping me get better. This is not an indictment on my value as a person. I think one of the things we miss is the preparation part of this. We just go rush into feedback 
instead of thinking in advance about the conversation. So there's a few ways we like to structure feedback conversations. One is uh, what we call continue, start, and stop, which is just thinking about with this person, here's what I'd like to see you continue doing, what I'd like to see you start doing, and what I'd like to see you stop doing. And it's a conversation and that should go back and forth. So, and you ask the question at the end, what would you like me to continue as your manager or as your peer? What would you like me to continue doing, start doing and stop doing? So that's just a conversation. End it with what, are, what did you hear me say? What are you hearing from me to see if you have understanding? Santiago also has this idea of continue, start and stop as a great leadership tactic. So often we think of feedback as moving in one direction. Santiago sees an immense opportunity for businesses to put this practice into action, improving the overall culture of the company. When employees feel a sense of trust with leadership, they are far more likely to get involved in the type of feedback conversations that lead to a better experience for everyone. I think um, seeking to understand is always a great first step. and I find that most cultures are receptive to leadership saying, we want to create an amazing place to work where our, is, where our business is wildly profitable and where our business is really fantastic for the people that work here. And we would like to understand from you all what you're finding, what, what, what should we start, stop, and keep, right? That's an interesting kind of tool to do. What should we, what's good that we should uh, keep doing? What, what's, what are we missing on we should stop doing? Um, and then what should we start doing because we're not doing it? That, that uh, seeking to understand, I think, is a, is a good first motion. Of course, organizations that want to enact this type of cultural shift should be prepared and patient. After all, trust isn't gained overnight. In fact, it might take quite a while for employees to feel safe sharing with leadership. As Chris shares, leaders should feel comfortable in awkward silences. Giving team members ample time to gather and articulate their thoughts. Now, this isn't easy, but with time and practice, these conversations will begin to come more naturally, benefiting everyone involved. So when you lead team meetings, uh, ending your meeting with what could we do better? How did what went well? When you end a one to one, hey, how could we make this one to one better? What could I do to improve? I think leaders need to ask for it a lot more than they do. So this is also incumbent on the leader to ask for it and move into it and sit in the awkward silence. So uh, I've heard uh, one leader that he'll, he'll ask his direct reports for feedback and he'll say, surely there's one thing I can do to make your job or your work better for you. And in fact, we can't leave this room until you tell me one thing. And he sits in the awkward silence. If you're considering whether this type of investment in your organization is truly worth it, let's consider the cost of the alternative. Santiago has seen many instances in which companies view feedback as something to be retrieved during an exit interview. By this point, great employees are out the door, leaving the company to reinvest in recruiting, onboarding, and training new talent, only to watch the cycle repeat itself. We measure frequently enough to get ahead of engagement issues before they fester. Many times I ask folks how they prioritize, how they get feedback, on how, they pray, uh, on how to improve their culture or the employee experience. And you know what I hear? At the exit interview. That is our richest and best source of data around what managers are good or bad <laughs> and are causing people to leave and where we find out what's going on in our organizations. What an incredibly costly time to find this out. What's what we call a lagging indicator. How do you know you have a bad manager if you don't have this? But when two or three of the best people in that team leave, 
and then you're like, uh-oh, that team is falling apart, the best people left, maybe there's something with the manager going on. Right? That team now is decimated, has lost its best people, and it may not ever get back to that level of engagement and performance. Instead of waiting to find out how our organizations can be better, why not go directly to the source from the start? Why not empower our talent with a voice that can truly help identify problems and have conversations about how to solve them? When we view feedback in this way, we're building the type of trust that fosters organizational buy-in. We're creating the type of culture where voices are heard and challenges find resolution. Seek input from those closest to the problem with a very targeted question. Here's what I don't mean by this. I don't mean like an open-ended question of how do we improve our culture. Many of you have done that and you get tons of garbage back. Right? Like, well, if you move the office closer to my home, my commute would be better. And you're like, all right, we're not going to do that, right? Or there's not enough coffee cream. You don't get good stuff. But if you can be really specific and say, hey, purpose is low in your specific sales team, what are your ideas to help improve purpose? Here's what it means in the sales team. You ever done that? You get really rich insights from the people that are closest to the problem. This is what we're talking about. Kaizen, by the way, in manufacturing is, is what this is. The idea that people, when they're empowered to have a voice and they're close to the problem, can be the best voices and input to solving those issues and coming up with the best ideas. Buzzwords are reductive by nature. It's how we get from relationship-driven, goal-oriented conversations to one-time events that accomplish very little. It's how we lose trust. Moving toward a new understanding of feedback isn't easy, but it's necessary for leaders who want to empower their top talent and create the types of cultures where everyone thrives. And now it's time to break down the buzzwords. What do we do once we've identified them? And how do our new understandings help transform our organizations? Join us next week to find out.